Because we really want to spread the message that self-care and taking care of your health and your well-being is not a one-size-fits-all approach. And it can look like snuggling with your cat. (laughs) And that can definitely be a legitimate part of it. Back to another episode of Never Wear Boring Socks. I'm Anna Barnard. And I'm Maria Ramsey. And I am very excited today, Anna, because we have a third pair of socks joining us. Woo-hoo! And they happen to be on the feet of our very special guest, who is a very special friend of mine. We're very excited. But before we get into talking about our socks, we want to shout out our brand new website, which is NeverWearBoringSocks.com. Please go check it out. It's very beautiful. Maria worked very hard on designing it, and it looks lovely. And it's also Thank you. Oh, yes, it's also a really good way to get in touch with us. And so you can also find so you can find us there, and you can also find us on social media. So um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Never Wear Boring Socks, and on Twitter at No Boring Socks. And you can always shoot us an email, which is neverwearboringsocks at gmail There's also a handy little contact form on the website and buttons to our socials if you don't feel like typing them. Exactly. So, find us there. Yay! Shall we get into our interview, Anna? We shall. Anna, would you like to tell me what socks you're wearing today? I'm wearing a pair of new socks that I got for Easter, and they are navy blue, and they have some little gold bees on them, and I picked these socks because I feel like bees are associated with flowers, which is associated with spring. <laughs> this, is like a, this is like a hopeful choice, because it's kind of springy here. But it's taking a while. It's like slowly but surely. So I, I want the bees to come, have the flowers bloom, all that good that stuff. Sounds good. Yes. Calling it in with your sock choice. Yes, indeed. Very nice. What socks are you wearing? So I forgot to put on socks today. And I was just talking to our guest, Ella, who's here with me right now. We both forgot to put on socks because <laughs> it is actually feeling like spring where we are in Massachusetts. Well, that's nice. It's really nice. So we were wearing sandals and not thinking about our socks. So, oops. I know. I can't believe I <laughs> came on this podcast called Never Wear Boring Socks without any socks on. So, <laughs> But you do have something exciting going on around your feet. Oh, I, I do. That's a funny thing to say, but I do. Um, <laughs> I have... A kitty tattoo on my ankle, which is right in place of where a sock would be. That's very cool. So I think that so, counts. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's, it's sort of like a permanent cat sock, I suppose. That's perfect. <laughs> so what is the significance of the cat? Do you want to tell us about that? Um, well, I mean, if Maria knows this, I love cats. I have always loved cats. Um, I have a cat. Her name is Charlotte. She's my little baby. I love her. <laughs> 
Um, she's super sweet. Thank you. Yeah, she she likes everybody. But um, I don't know. A couple. So I got this. I got this tattoo. Maybe not last winter, but the one before. And I think it, there wasn't really any question in my mind of if I got a tattoo, what would it be? It would be a cat. And yeah, so I have sort of. I mean, this is audio, so you can't see it, but it's the cat sort of reaching up, up my leg a little bit, and it's sort of grasping for, you know, for something new, for something good, something exciting. I don't know. That's I like how it. I, I can like explain that too. it. Yeah, yeah um, that's very cool. Yeah. So it's just nice to have a little kitty with me wherever I go, mm-hmm. little friend. Oh, I like thinking <laughs> of it like that. <laughs> So, now we know you like cats. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself, Ella? Sure. Um, Yeah, so Maria and I met in college. We both went to Vassar, and we met... um, We actually... Yeah, we met in a music department. Did we meet in Harmony class or in... Either Harmony class or Camerata, which was the uh, early music ensemble. Yeah, anyway, um, we became good friends. We lived together our senior year, and I ended up following her to Western Mass after graduation. It's a good place. Because I'm creepy like that. No, I just... (laughs) I, yeah, I just love, I love this area, and, um, yeah, so I've been living here since then. I am a musician. I'm a classical soprano. I um, yeah, I studied that in college. I sing in a number of choirs around here and take voice lessons. Um, yeah, so I'm not quite sure if I'm gonna pursue that as a career or just sort of as a avocation, but it's something I love to do. Um, yeah, I guess I'd consider myself a creative person like you guys. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So something you mentioned that you are thinking about maybe singing will be a career Mm -hmm. and maybe not. And something that we've talked about a little bit in the past is sort of the pressure that one feels sometimes like for people who have studied their artistic pursuit in school, the pressure to do that as a career or to do something related as a career is that something you feel having studied music I I do I do feel that um I mean not to do exactly maybe what I did in school but to pursue something musical um or at least something sort of intellectual academically focused um and I'm not entirely sure that's what I want to do And I think people who know me and people that talk to me and ask me what I studied, it's like, well, so that's cool, but how are you going to make that a career? (laughs) And it's kind of like, well, that wasn't really the point. Mm -hmm. I did it because I loved it. And I realized that that is coming from a place of privilege. Like, I was privileged to be able to, you know, go to a liberal arts school and major in something I didn't necessarily know I'd get a job coming out of. Um, yeah. Do you guys feel similarly at all? 
Yeah, that's... I mean, Anna, you're still in school. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm... So I'm studying English and religion at school, um, and I will be taking more creative writing classes later, but as of now, I haven't necessarily, like, studied my art form, but there's definitely a pressure to not necessarily make your major line up with your job, but to have some sort of vocational path in mind, Yeah, you know, at some point or another, which I think, I mean, on one hand is good because at some point, like we need to get jobs and make money, you know, and find something we (laughs) want to do. So like, that's helpful. Um, But I think sometimes it would be equally helpful to have some sort of emphasis on the value of learning things that may never get you into the career path that you are destined for. And I think, I mean, I think we're all lucky to have gone to liberal arts colleges because I think they stress that more than like state universities where it's like you go to this school to get like your engineering degree so that you become an engineer, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. whereas at liberal arts colleges, I know that there's a little more focus on learning for the sake of learning rather than for the sake of career. And so like I've appreciated that and everyone has different approaches to it, but there's still, I mean, I think we're living in a world where there's a big focus on you go to college so you can get a job. But I also am wondering if that's like starting to change at all. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, when you were talking about your experience, Ella, that was making me think of how it seems like when you start college, especially a liberal arts college, speaking from, the experience that we've had it seems like they do want you to kind of explore a lot of different things and like not necessarily consider it as just a path towards your career exactly but then towards the end of college it was like everybody started asking me well what are you going to do with music Mm -hmm. and that always seemed like a funny question to me having gone to a liberal arts school sort of like why does it have to be necessarily with music I don't know. It's an interesting situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of tricky. Yeah, I feel like even especially if you have a concentration in the arts like we did, like with music or, say, studio art or whatever, um, it's a little bit different. I don't think that if we were an English major, people would say, oh, what are you going to do with that degree? Or what are you going to do, like... It's like, well, you chose this sort of specialized path in college. Mm-hmm. I so totally you agree. must have a plan. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Which was not the case. And yeah, here I am, like almost four years out. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true for a lot of people. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, so, I, I totally agree with that for sure. Well, and I go to a school where music is really big. And we have a we we have a lot of people who pursue not just like bachelors of arts in music, but bachelors of music in either mm-hmm. like music education or music performance. And those are like so vocation oriented because like the musical education degree is like you take the steps so that you can teach once you get out, you know, of your undergrad. And so, you know, like you will get your teaching license and you will have student teaching experience and you like are based like your classes are very uh there isn't a lot of wiggle room for what classes you can take because you're on this track you know and so I think even more so at 
I don't know. I, I think with if you if you have that sort of like bachelor's of music degree here, it's like that is because you are going to pursue that as a career, you know, and there's like that perception that an arts track means that you have some sort of plan in mind. Yeah. Mm hmm. So what did draw you to music? What what do you love about it? Why did you decide to focus on music? Um, so I've always been a musical person. Um, I always, when I was like, I don't know, two, three years old, I'd pick out stuff on the piano and just dance around. And <laughs> <laughs> I was that kid that watched the Nutcracker VHS tape every single day for a couple months. <laughs> Drove my parents insane. And then I would go to the piano and I'd pick out the tunes. That sounds um, adorable. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I, I've, I've always loved to sing. I've always, you know, been a songwriter, if you want to call it that. Um, and I think when I, when I got to school, I was not planning on majoring in music. I was probably going to do something with like creative writing or history or something like that. And I just fell in love with the music department at Vassar, um, I just really clicked with a lot of the people there and I liked the classes and I loved the ensembles that Maria was also a mm-hmm. part of. Um, and it's so if that sort of felt like my home in college. Right. And so when it came time to choose my major, it was just like not even that big of a choice for me. It's like, okay, this is what I love to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Right. And I feel like, over the course of my four years, I really grew and matured as a singer um, and as an artist and a scholar and all that. Um, and I don't know, music's always just had a really special place for me, even if even if I'm not, like, for instance, right now, I'm not in that sort of focused, intense kind of environment where I'm singing in three choirs and I'm like have a recital at the end of the year, but I'm still, like, I'm still involved and I sing in two groups in the area, still take lessons, and it still brings me a lot of joy. Right. Yeah. And I don't want that to go away from my life, even if I don't, like, get paid for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that Anna and I have talked about in previous episodes is sort of the the way that getting paid for your creative work can affect it or like Mm. sort of the intersection between making money and making art and I think we think about that a lot partly because our society focuses a lot about career and puts a lot of emphasis on that but I'm wondering what you think Ella maybe what your feelings are on like do you think that you need to be making money on your art in order to be fulfilled as an artist um, I mean, that's a really interesting question, Maria. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think, I completely agree that there's a lot of pressure in this culture, especially to, you know, you have this talent, how are you going to make money out off of it? Mm-hmm. How are you going to, like, make this a lucrative thing? And I do think part of me does buy into, like, am I successful 
if I'm not making a paycheck from this one gig or am I, you know, I see these other people around me who have church jobs. I see people that are, you know, sort of making their websites and turning their music into into like a way another another paycheck um and i think i think you have to step back and look at like what's going to make you feel like you said maria fulfilled Mm -hmm. as an artist and not necessarily you know successful in the way the world might define that but feeling like i am doing what i want to do with my art and i i think I think no. I, I I don't think that money is necessarily a part of that for me. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It certainly is nice when it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I I think it's helpful that you brought up the term of success because I think a lot of times it's not like just money. It's that like money brings recognition, and yeah. you know, and like so money is like a measure of recognition. It's like oh, you did a good job, and like people have recognized that so like we value Mm -hmm. what you're doing and will therefore pay you for it um and like you get visibility from that and so yeah I think it's definitely tied up with this idea of success not just like oh I've made it into a career but there's some degree of like worth put on your art when you can make money off of it yeah I think that's a really good point and I think I think comparison definitely plays a big role mm-hmm. in, in all of this oh my gosh too. Yeah. so yeah. much um do you want me to elaborate yeah on that? definitely yeah so I am constantly comparing myself to other people like I think all of us do mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um and I know I I've talked to to Maria about this in the past but um I don't think it's so healthy to necessarily measure your own self especially as an artist against other people because I think especially if you're in a musical field or I don't I know less about the visual arts field or the creative writing field but like I think as a musician it's like especially when you're out of school and you're looking at a lot of your classmates like oh my gosh this person's in graduate school this person's singing here this person's like in this orchestra and I'm like I'm still working retail. Yeah. What the heck am I doing? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily a measure of, you know, my worth. Like, I know that. Right. But it's still, it's hard to internalize that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it goes back to, I'm glad you brought up success before also, because I think we tend to have a very specific definition of what success is. But I think like everybody kind of needs to come up with their own definition of success Mm -hmm. and maybe for Mm -hmm. you for a certain person success might mean making money with your art and that's a totally valid definition but that doesn't mean that it has to be the same definition for everybody you can pursue your own kind of success which is maybe just feeling artistically fulfilled and also and making money a different way right right yeah. Totally. Anna and I also talked a little bit, I think in the last episode, about how we define ourselves as artists and how that relates to kind of whether our paycheck is coming from that art or not. Mm. Do you feel like, 
I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to say I'm an artist or I'm a writer because that's mm-hmm. not my, that's not how I make money. Yeah. Do you find that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, like the current job that I'm in, I work at, I work at Whole Foods Market, not a paid advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like, I don't think anybody would consider that like a career path and so I think that's a bit different for me like you have your teaching jobs that I think people would sort of see more as your your career um Mm -hmm. but yeah I I see what you're saying um like it's hard for me sometimes to say that oh I'm a musician or I'm a classical singer um partly because I don't I don't just to find myself that way but also because I you know I don't I don't make money from it I don't have a weekly job singing in a church um you know I, I think you're right in that but I don't know if that's necessarily good I think you should be able to define yourself as however you want yeah I think so too um I think it gets challenging because people like, when you get asked the question of what do you do, our first response is usually to say, like, what do you do for work? Yeah. I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be an awkward question for a lot of people to answer. And I think part of it often is it's because of this kind of tricky situation where you're doing something that's, like, maybe it's satisfying in some way, but it's not really super fulfilling for you. It's mm-hmm. not really the work that you feel like you're meant to do. It's not your art, if you do want to pursue your art as a career. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's a hard question sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if part of that is just, like, changing the language we use, you know? And instead of saying, what do you do, saying, where do you work, if that's what you really want to know. Right. Or, uh, what are your hobbies, if that's what you want right. to know. What are you passionate, what are you passionate about? about? Right. Yeah. <laughs> But those are the questions I, I like. What are you passionate about? What do you love doing? Right. I think we need to what be more about? specific with our language because what do you do is construed as what do you do for work, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that, but like that's what we mean right. by it. And so right. if we needed Like what if my answer was like I wear fun socks right. and I eat breakfast right. like, every day. That's something that I do. <laughs> like, that's not what people are asking. Yeah. Snuggle with my cat. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what you do, and it it's a great thing to so do. so much of what I do. Yeah. Right. So one of the other things that we wanted to talk to you about, Ella, since we've talked about this in the past, is anxiety. And also mm-hmm. because Anna and I have struggled with anxiety, and that's something that we've talked about on the podcast. And... I'm specifically, I'm wondering if there's anything, like what overlap do you see between, or interaction do you see between anxiety and making music or being an artist, or maybe this question of an artistic career path or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll talk about that. I I mean, I struggle with anxiety. I have my whole life. Um, and I think... I don't know. I think there is a close intersection with my art making and that. Um, I think it's certainly a release for me, anxiety release. Um, But it can also be a 
trigger for it. Um, I, like we talked about a little bit earlier, um, I do so much self-criticism in, in comparison to other people and sort of perfectionism when it comes to my art. And sometimes that does sort of make me say, well, if it's not, if I'm not going to really go for it, why do it at all? Like if I'm not going to, like often, like I'll just tell you this, this week I have a voice lesson tomorrow. I haven't had one in two weeks and I have practiced zero times for that. And and I, I just, like this morning I woke up and I thought, oh my God, like I'm so, what am I even doing? Like I'm paying for these lessons. I have a wonderful teacher. Like I, you know, back in college I would practice all the time and now I just can't, I don't know, I have no discipline. And I just sort of went on this downward spiral on myself. And then I just thought, wait, like, it's okay. Like she doesn't care. You're not, you don't have a you don't have a senior recital or whatever at the end of the year. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a chance to sing and to get better. And it doesn't matter if I really, if I didn't budget my time well enough this past two weeks, like there's been a lot going on, you know, don't. So that's sort of how my anxiety can interact with, with um, my artistic pursuit. Um, I also, I have a lot of perfectionism and I take criticism very much to heart. Um, and I think that has it's been hard when you're an artist. It's so hard <laughs> because it's, criti it's criticizing you right? because it's like such a, such a part of you. Right. Um, it feels very personal. Yeah. Like when your art or mu your music feels like an extension of you. Yeah. And sort of being told you're not good enough, or at least in so many words, um, or even just sort of overlooked, like, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I don't know. We, I guess I don't know how personal we want to get here, but <laughs> <laughs> however um, personal you mm -hmm. want to get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think my personality is one of the reasons why I haven't, where people, because you guys know, like, the the stereotype of the soprano diva and being really larger than life yeah. and being kind of difficult to deal with and just sort of disorganized. And I'm just, like, I like I'm introverted. I have a lot of social anxiety. I'm very, like organized I'm very easy to get along with uh, just like the the opposite of what people sort yeah. of expect mm -hmm. and I think at the same time I'm not pushy enough and that's one of the that's one of the problems with sort of trying to be in this artist world as somebody with anxiety that like mm -hmm. I, I never want to seem like I'm being too like forward or pushy and you just need that. Yeah. Like self, I yeah. hate self-promotion right. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I think that self-promotion aspect is why it is hard for a lot of more introverted artists to definitely make a living at it if that's what they want to do, mm -hmm. but even get more opportunities because you do have to 
like kind of market yourself to an extent and get out there and make connections with people who might hire you. And it's challenging if that's not your natural inclination. Yeah, if your natural inclination is like, oh, I don't think I'm like, I'm kind of good but I'm not like good enough for this job maybe they'll maybe you'll want to hire me anyway maybe like that's not right, the right. <laughs> right. to no. yourself at all um so it's like that's something I'm working on definitely like just in life as well as in art um yeah well, it's interesting yeah it's- <laughs> do you have any tools that help you with that um if not that's okay too <laughs> I mean I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I, are you talking about like self-care type of things? Yeah. Or? Do you have any self-care routines or anything that makes you feel better in those times mm-hmm. of anxiety? Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to my, my beloved kitty cat, Charlotte, um, I, I find like, maybe this sounds really cheesy, but I, I do have a strong bond with my cat and I, I think she's she always can calm me down um mm-hmm. and I think as a as an introverted person which I think all of us I don't know you Anna but I, th- I think from the podcast you're <laughs> a little tend to tend more toward that side yeah I'm kind of an ambivert yeah ambivert yeah but we all need like some downtime oh, yeah. and some time to recharge um and I think sort of drawing that sort of still energy from the cat Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sounds so weird. But it, it's <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> sort of like this. It's not human. It's something that we can't fully understand, and that's part of the reason why I think animals can be so powerful. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, so she she helps me. Um, I think often just reaching out to the people that I know are on my side and believe in me, care about me, and you know, just to hear, like, knowing that, like, I am a worthy person, even if I am not good at this one thing, or even if I'm failing mm-hmm. at this one aspect in life temporarily. Yeah. Right? It's like, it doesn't mean that I'm a total failure, which is sometimes what my brain wants to tell me. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you need other people to remind you because it's it's hard to remind yourself in those. Yeah, moments. it can become sort of an echo chamber. Yeah, where you have all of these thoughts in your head. Yeah, and some an outside person can go like, "Wait a minute!" Like from where I'm looking at, you're doing just fine. Right. And you're like, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what you guys were asking, but yeah, okay. no, I think you answered the question. I I think. I like that you brought up your cat, Charlotte, because I think that one, when you were talking about getting in touch with human support also, Mm -hmm. but I think relationships are really important for mental health and for support. And I do think that an animal, a relationship with an animal is definitely different from a relationship with a human Mm -hmm. I don't have any animals myself, but like everyone who has interacted with a cat can tell that that's a little different than interacting with a human, and it is very Usually. soothing, <laughs> right? 
can be soothing if it's a friendly cat. Yeah, or a dog. Or yeah. Whatever well, animal there's you not, like. you, Your animal isn't judging you. And even if right. they are, you will never know it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to tell you. Yeah. Right. And there's something about an animal that's just so in the now. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're right here, right now. They're not worrying about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about what they did yesterday. That was stupid. Right. Yeah. Like, they're just, like, Charlotte's just happy to be a cat. She wants food. She wants cuddles. She wants to play with her little mouse. And that's all. Right. And she just, she just has this sort of pure love that she radiates that is so special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I got this cat, I don't, I don't want this whole interview to be about my cat, but like, um, <laughs> why not? I, I, you know? <laughs> I adopted this cat when I moved out to the area and I didn't know a lot of people. And I felt like, like I, I adopted her from a shelter. She was a rescue cat. And I felt like she and I were sort of starting these parallel journeys together. And we've, we were helping each other along the way and we're growing. I mean, she's growing physically. I'm not so much (laughs) (laughs) usually, but, um, but sort of we're, we have this special connection and I think that's partly because like I like she's my cat like I've lived with people but and she interacts with other people but she's she's mine um she's like I don't know she's she's my she's my special friend she's (laughs) she's she's a good one (laughs) yeah I think this is all pointing to the the fact that all of our self-care practices can look very different Mm, mm -hmm. and it doesn't all have to look like bubble baths and manicures like some people like you see you can get that idea maybe from instagram or whatever but this this is a very different view of self-care and i i really appreciate that you're bringing that up because that is what works for you and it's very special to you yeah i mean to be honest, when you asked me that question, I, I was like, oh my god, like these are these guys are like the self-care people. <laughs> and you like you know, and I like I don't do that. I don't I don't like do the meditation as much or you know. But you have the cat kind of snuggles. Things. I do have cat <laughs> snuggles and it's like just being okay with where I'm at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever and works where for all you. of us are at. Yeah. Whatever, you know. Yeah. Like, what's going to help me is not necessarily what's going to help you and vice versa. Um, yeah. And I think they're all... I mean, one of the things I like about your podcast um, is sort of the different perspectives that you bring and the non-judgment that you guys bring. Like, whether you're interviewing guests or just talking yourselves. Like, I really... I think you guys are doing an awesome job. Thank Thank you. you. That's our goal. Because we really want to spread the message that self-care and taking care of your health and your well-being is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Right. And it can look like snuggling with your cat. Yeah. And that can definitely 
be a legitimate part of it. Well, and I think with self-care, sometimes, like, the care part is emphasized, which is obviously really important. But I think, like, the self part is one of the most important things because, like, this is not for anyone else. You know, this is not yeah. supposed to satisfy anyone else. Like, you don't need to post it to Instagram for it to be self-care. <laughs> yeah, right. Doesn't have to look pretty. Right. Hashtag self-care Sunday. Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. So I think, you know, now that it's become a buzzword, it's like, what can we do to actually get back to what it means? You know, the roots of it. Because at the end of the day, like, it's smiling with your cat. Yeah. And I also, I kind of want to go back to something you said earlier about how... I think this is sort of related about how singing can be both a like producer of anxiety and also mm. a anxiety release. Mm-hmm. I think that's so fascinating. And that's something I've thought about a lot as a creative person who does want to pursue my creative things in a serious way, like whether that's for money or just for like you just want to create something tangible in the world and share mm-hmm. it because I think like it's that's such a delicate balance between taking your art seriously enough to accomplish what you want to accomplish while also still allowing it to be this nourishing maybe stress relieving thing that it can be exactly right I think it's so tough too because like you like you were talking about earlier Ella um something about artistic disciplines I think can sometimes carry like a sort of baggage with them or like stereotypes or personality types that is not always associated with other career paths um because I think it's so wrapped up not in just like the skills we have, but like our sense of self and like the talents we have, you know, and like the gifts that we possess. And so there's this Mm -hmm. idea that you will kind of fulfill a certain idea or stereotype or whatever. And so on one hand, you're deriving satisfaction from doing this thing, but you also feel pressure to conform to this other you know, I mean, there's just so many forces at work um, with the creativity thing, because on one hand, it's this like raw self-expression. But on the other, I think there's a lot more pressure involved in that sometimes if you want to do it vocationally. Um, and it's just such like a mixed bag with that, you know, and I think we need to each kind of find our balance between those things, you know, like how much are we deriving just internal motivation from to do this thing? And how much are we feeling externally pressured to do it and we've talked about this a lot maria you know the idea of like Mm -hmm. do we want to do this or do we feel like we have to do it (laughs) things like that but i don't know it's this is something that we continuously come back to and i don't have an easy answer for it but it's interesting yeah it is and i don't know that we've specifically talked about the fact of its relationship to anxiety in those two ways that it can both trigger anxiety and release anxiety. And I just think that's really interesting. I mean, if I can just give a little example, um, something that what you guys are both talking about put me in mind of that sort of when I, when I think about, are you, are you doing this for the joy and for the nourishment or is it just becoming too, too much of like 
what I should be doing. It's like if I'm if I'm so stressed about a concert that I don't sing well or that I like can't if I I can't like sing sing in the kitchen or sing to my cat because I need to like save my voice or you know stuff like that where I or I can't like sing along to the radio with friends because like oh I gotta save my voice Mm. um and then it's like something like that where I have to step back and think is this I don't think I want this to be my life Mm, you know right um like the previous couple months I was in a I've been in a very stressful singing ensemble and I think a lot of the stress I sort of brought on myself just wanting to be good and to please the people in the group and it just got so that I just the stress was making my vocal mechanism not work mm, right. very well at all and that just sort of doubled down on the stress mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's just something we all have to look at. Like, is this thing that is going to look good on paper and, and networking, meet people, advance your career, you know, all what have you, is that worth it? Right. Is that worth the mental and emotional stress? Yeah. Probably. And the pressure that you're putting on your art, like if it's to the point where you're not enjoying it anymore, mm-hmm. is it worth not enjoying your art to advance it in some way? That's a good yeah. point. Well, and I think so, well, I was just thinking of another example too. Like one of my friends here is in the top choir, which rehearses an hour and a half, five days a week, you know, Oof. and she loves to sing, but like the bureaucracy of the choir and the fact that singing in the group is making it hard for her to sing individually and just like enjoy practicing, you know, has made her really mm-hmm. like step back and think, like, what do I want to be doing with singing? And so she's decided to, um, like, move into the alto section instead of the soprano section, to, you know, to, like, save her voice so she could actually practice better and things like that, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I think that's a super good example. It makes us reconsider what we really want to be doing with our art forms. And I think singing is a really tangible example of this because you're literally making your art with a part of your body like there's no other supplies involved it's not like you're translating it through a violin or a paintbrush or a pen or something it's just coming from this mechanism inside your body Mm -hmm. so if you're stressed it's very obvious how the stress is affecting your body we've talked about that in other contexts but I've found as a singer it, that's really hard. I can really feel the stress in my voice. Mm-hmm. Which is not fun. <laughs> no. Especially when you're trying to sing good. high notes in a group. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'm a soprano too, and it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so something we like to ask our guests at the end of our episodes is whether they have any recommendations for anything they've been enjoying lately. It could be in any category, anything you've been into. Um... Well, I have been listening, and <laughs> this is a podcast re- recommendation. Fabulous. <laughs> might be good to do on a podcast. Um, so something I've been 
getting into a lot is something that I never really thought I'd be interested in. And yet it's fascinating. Um, not Certainly not for everybody. I think I told you about this one. It's a true, ki- true crime po- comedy podcast called My Favorite Murder. And it's the two hosts are these fantastically funny, um, smart ladies. They talk about terrible crimes, but in a charming, empathetic, compassionate way, talk about their struggles with mental health and addiction. Um, they do live shows. I mean, if like I didn't think that I was even interested in this kind of stuff at all. But so even if you think you might not be, just give it a shot. Maybe don't listen to it right before you go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I mean, I just, I'm, I'm thrilled to be finding a lot of that one and some other awesome podcasts that are run by women and sort of driven by women. That's cool. That's a Um, fascinating niche. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Didn't know that existed. Well, I'll have to check that out because I'm taking a forensics class right now to get my lab credit. Yeah. So. You might like that then. Yeah. Liberal arts. That's pretty useful. Yes, right. <laughs> so I should check that out. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you want to mm. recommend? Let me see. Does it have to be like a media thing? Could be anything. Could be anything. Whatever. Could be an idea. Okay. Um I have been trying to get outside more this spring. Um I think last year I spent a lot of time inside the house when it was starting to get warm out and I feel like I wasted a lot of prime outside time. I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, and I think I'm trying to be more intentional now with, even if I don't really want to get out of the house, just take a walk, make you feel better. Um, I took a wonderfully lovely hike last night or yesterday afternoon, evening, up um, to one of the mountains around Skinner State Park. Mm. Oh, that's uh, a beautiful Mount Bear. Water. Yeah, yeah. Just it was just really lovely, and sort of made me realize how much I missed. I missed being out in nature and walking among it and moving. And you know, I think sometimes we focus so much on exercise as like losing weight, building muscle, like going to the gym, go go go, but a lot of it is just moving your body and being being out in the world, yeah. being out outside. So that's sort of that's my spring summer intention. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. And that I think that is a good way to focus on enjoyment when you're thinking mm-hmm. about exercise as opposed to these sort of goal oriented right things like weight or whatever else. Yeah. So I like that approach a lot. And then where can people find you on the internet if they want to check out what you're doing or get in contact with you, Ella? Um, so I don't have a website or anything like that, but I'm on Instagram as my handle is Nutella Christine, like the dessert. Um, cause it's, my name is Ella <laughs> Christine. That's my middle name. And so I tried to do a fun pun. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can follow me there. I'm on Facebook. Um, oh, something I will shout out is my cat has an Instagram account. <laughs> that is a public account, and it is she's a beautiful cat. 
Thank you, Maria. <laughs> it is Charlotte double unders- underscore the double underscore cat. Google Charlotte. I mean, not Google. Instagram <laughs> search Charlotte the cat. She's very cute. She is. Um, yeah, you can follow both of us, but hers is more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for having me, guys. You're Thank you for joining us. And we actually have one more question for you yeah? before you go, which is... So our philosophy at Never Wear Boring Socks, the reason we chose the name is basically the idea that we can intentionally make small creative choices during the day to inject a little joy and thoughtfulness into our lives Mm -hmm. by choosing exciting socks, or it could be by doing other things. Is that a, does that resonate with you at all? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think just being mindful of things that bring you joy or things that, yeah, that might change change your day just slightly for the better, um, or somebody else's day even. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, li- I like that a lot. I'd like to do more of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing to keep in mind. Sometimes hard to remember in the moment. Yeah. But that's why... I- uh, that's why I like socks because it can be a reminder that's just on your feet when you randomly look yeah, down at your yeah, feet I, during I, the day. I, if I were wearing socks, I yeah. But I, you can look <laughs> down at your kitty on your yes, leg, I do. And that I, can be a I reminder. I always itself. have a kitty friend. Yeah, coming full circle here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, today, thank you so much. Fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is my podcast debut. Woo, so. Yay! <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> Thank you to Ben Ramsey, our audio editor and theme music collaborator, and Martha Barnard, our resident mandolinist, and especially to Ella for joining us today. And thank you, creative souls, for listening. It would make us super happy and help out the podcast a ton if you left us a rating and review. We'd also love a subscribe if you feel so inclined. We will talk to you next week, and in the meantime... Remember, creative souls, to never wear boring socks.